solution, real talk. Living right, the execution, real walk. And stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside. And get your body out line and chalk. I left the institution, real talk. Living right, the execution, real walk. And stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside. And get your body out line and chalk. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. You are now listening to the House to House podcast. This is Amadi. I'm here with Ragu. Yep, one more time. As always, you can jump into our Facebook group, um, House to House. That's the word house, the number two, and the word house podcast. Um, and you can catch us live, or at least it's live when we're recording it. There to you, you it would be pre-recorded. Um, we are on Apple Podcasts. Um, Google Play, um, Google has also rolled out a new podcast app, so you can download Google Podcasts for all of my Android peoples, and um, SoundCloud, we're on SoundCloud, um, again, that's house, the number two, and the word house podcast. Um, for those of you who are on that Apple platform, please give us five stars. That will greatly help us as we try to continue to advertise and push and promote what we're doing. Um, five stars, five stars, five stars. So let's get those stars up off you. Got to shake you upside down, get you upside gotta down have by it. your legs. Yeah, I got to grab you by your legs and shake you to get all five stars out your pocket. So please, if you have an iPhone, if you have an Apple product, um, go to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and give our podcast five stars and give us a good rating. We really appreciate it. We'd love to know what you guys think of what you're listening to. Um, but anyway, moving right along, that's our problem, not yours, right? Yep. So, <laughs> Let's keep it going. <laughs> so it's, it's been a couple weeks since we've chatted, right? Um, and we ended the last episode, you know, talking about how the Lord can even redeem us, you know, redeem our environment when we're not in the optimal uh, situation. Um, you know, sometimes, you know, a lot of us have come from, you know, situations that, you know, are not the everything's not up to par. Not, not the perfect situation. Yeah, not the perfect storm. Right. But um, the Lord can still redeem that. The The Lord can still use that. And the you know the the most high can still bring us to the place in which he would uh have us to be he can still get you know get us to our destiny um and there's another cat who had that same situation um a friend from the old testament um abram we all know him as abraham right mm-hmm. it's like one of the Father people that have nations. like uh you know how they say you're you're like super famous when you just got one name <laughs> you know <laughs> or you get a name change yeah yeah <laughs> If they know you by one name, that's how you know you're famous, <laughs> right? Like Beyonce or somebody was like, yeah, that's one true. name, uh-huh. Abraham, one name. It's one of the, you know, anyway, he's a, he's a father, you know, he's a father of faith. People call him sometimes. And, um, but he, he crossed paths with an interesting cat. Um, only, and, and I feel like, you know, it was for the, you know, for the edification of him and for the building up of, of what the Lord was doing through him. And, you know, for, to, to set precedent, I think, you know, that he needed an example and a, a representation. So for those of you who don't know, you know, a, we, we talked, I don't know how much we went into Abraham last time. I, don't, I forget. I but, don't you know, Abraham got a call oh, from the no, Lord. we did pretty We pretty did. Good okay, we, go into, we went to Abraham last time. So yeah. check the uh, last episode. I believe it was the um, perfect, um, can God, you know, use a, a perfect situation? Or is there a perfect situation? Go back to the the previous episode yeah because we give the whole history and backdrop yeah. in the uh the previous episode so yeah please do that <laughs> definitely want to follow up with that um so 
Abraham had this call from the Lord. And but then in his travels, he meets a gentleman by the name of Melchizedek. Um, and Melchizedek is described as king of Salem and priest of the most high God. Mm-hmm. Um, when And in Hebrews 7, it says that Melchizedek, you know, and Abraham had a discussion, had a talk, had some time together after Abraham came from defeating some kings and blessed him. Now, you have to look at two different passages to be able to understand what's going on here. So in Genesis 14, um, Abraham um, was made an offer, you know, like 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 the mafia, right? I'm making, I'll make you an offer you can't refuse by the king of Sodom and the king of Gomorrah and the king of Adma and the king of Zeboim. It's a bunch of kings. Um, they offered Abraham a bunch of stuff. Today, man, just come roll with us, right? We, and, and we we'll got take you. care of you. Yeah, and, <laughs> and we got you. And Abraham rejected their offer he rejected their offer because he said that he didn't want anyone else to get glory but the lord right because if i take your offer right you'll be the one that said that we were able to do x y and z to build up abram or at that time he was still abram so he rejects their offer which is crazy and they go to war and abraham wins and you know praise the lord and all that good stuff but in 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 the midst of all that he post post that yeah yeah so he but I'm just saying, like in the same yeah, yeah, okay, you know, time you, frame, you, you know, I'm like in, but while all this is going on, right? You know, wars and rumors of wars. <laughs> we mentioned that the last <laughs> time, right? This is the Old Testament version. But then, then there's this arbitrary meeting of him and Melchizedek. Uh-huh. Melchizedek is not mentioned previously up to this point, and uh, and, and until Hebrews seven, he's not he's mentioned, not mentioned again. again. Yeah. And so he says here in uh, verse. Well, why don't you read uh, verses um, eighteen and. 19 of um, Genesis 14, Goo. All right. So then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was a priest of God most high. And he blessed Abram saying, blessed be Abram by God most high, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God most high who delivered your enemies into your hand. Then Abram gave him a tenth of everything. Now, I I just think that 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 piece is is amazing to me, um, and we're this is all this is all you know going somewhere for those listening. We're 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 not trying to get you know we're not trying to be two theologians in here and give you a bunch of ancient Hebrew history, but it's just to to show you the the nature of the relationship. Um, Melchizedek comes and he is a king and a priest, right? He says you know he is the king of Salem. And he is the priest of the Most High God. Um, his name actually translates "My King is Righteous." It's two, it's two names. It's a name and a title, Melchizedek. Um, but what I wanted to to point out here is two things, you know. And then I definitely toss it over to Goo. It's like one, it's clear that Melchizedek and Abram had a pre-existing relationship. This was not their first time meeting. Now you may say, "Hold on, Amadi, this is not in the Bible." Yeah, I'm not I'm not here for no extra biblical, you know, some extracurricular biblical stuff here. But what does he say here to Abram? He says that he says, um, blessed be Abram of the most high God who delivered your enemies into your hand. How did he know that? Right. How did he know that Abraham was in the midst of war? Obviously, there were previous discussions because that's past tense. He says who delivered 
Right. And why in, would he celebrate with Melchizedek? Exactly. Why would he celebrate with a guy he just met? Right. Why would they break bread together mm-hmm. and have essentially communion? Mm-hmm. You know, they break out the bread and the wine. So there's a there's a pre-existing relationship there. Let's let's keep going because it says um, that in verse 20, Abraham gave him Abraham. I keep wanting to say Abram. It's, Abram. Yeah. I know, guys. For, yeah. for my biblical literist, they're going to be like, it's Abram. It's not Abraham yet. So Abram gave Melchizedek a tenth of everything. All right. Would you give a tenth of everything that you just got to somebody you just met? Unless the Lord specifically told you? Yeah. Probably not. Yeah, very unlikely. Now, if there was a pre-existing relationship, ah. So the other thing I just wanted to point out here is, you know, for, for those of us who understand, you know, this new revelation, we were talking about this new understanding is um, God has called us to be kings and priests. Melchizedek walks in that reality. Oh, what's um, that? What's that scripture reference, Amadi? Revelation. Yeah, Revelation one six. Right, Revelation one six is that we are called to be a nation of kings and priests, and so I think that Melchizedek kind of represented that for for Abram, you know, and which is why the Lord allowed them to sort of walk together. Yeah, and I'm definitely gonna reiterate some things that you definitely brought up, but I'm gonna focus a little bit just more so on the fact that. You know, the only time that that um, bread and wine are brought or brought out or even introduced is during communion. And of course, the only. The other mention, I mean, you can go into the, the New Testament and in Corinthians, it talks about having communion. And this is in celebration of the body of Christ and I'm not saying that uh, this is somewhat of a shadow. Right. Type in the shadow. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but that is it's. It's so important to just note that it's not just a coincidence that uh, someone like a Melchizedek who comes across Abram's path. And of course, we know who Abram is. Melchizedek, I believe, is representative of what the Lord is highlighting, someone who is both king and priest. And that's that's, of course, why I believe that the uh, that tithe is given to him. And of course, you'll see later down, and when the Levitical priesthood is introduced, that concept of tithing is 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 introduced in the port, of course in the currency of its time, whether it be through the first crops or the first anything, the first fruits. So, yeah. So and now, and we don't want to, you know, I know we scaring people off. We start talking about tithing. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're not here for that. And we're not we're not here for that right now. We just what we're trying to really do is show you the nature of the relationship right between Abram and uh, Melchizedek. Right. Because I think Abram says here that, um, yeah, if you keep going. So Melchizedek blesses him. Right. They have bread and wine. He prays over him, blesses him. And then Abram's response to being blessed by Melchizedek. Because I think the blessing is not just that one act. I think the blessing that he was responding to was their relationship, right? Mm. He responds with giving him a tenth of everything that he has, right? But, so that's that's just an, an aside for people who want to talk about tithing. Tithing is a response. It's not a it's not a command. It's a response. Um, and then this is look at what the king of Sodom then says to Abram. He says, "Give me the people and keep the goods for yourself." Um, and Abram responds to the king of Sodom, says, with raised hand, I've sworn an oath to the Lord, God most high, creator of heaven and earth, that I will accept nothing that belongs to you, not even a thread or a strap of a sandal. 
so that you will never be able to say, I made Abram rich. So I just love that that imagery there, because essentially what he's saying is, I believe that the Lord can do more with my 90 percent than I or you can do with more than 100 percent, because, I mean, he would have his hundred plus whatever this king is trying to give him. So let's just call it 150 percent. Just uh, throwing out a random number. He's saying here that I you know, trust that the Lord is um, going to be able to do more with 90 percent than you would with 150 percent. I think that's just an amazing, amazing imagery. So um, so this this whole thing about Melchizedek, I think, is that Melchizedek represented something to Abram. Yeah, I think that the, the Lord allowed him to cross Abram's path to to show him essentially what the what the most high would want embodied in him as a son and as a father and as a patriarch right that one who walks in and understanding that you are a king and a priest as you represent your heavenly father is what i think the lord wanted him to get from melchizedek yeah and i think we can definitely start traversing back to to familiar terms as far as how this uh i guess plays into how a family functions and so of course uh abram i don't think he's a father at this particular junction but of course futuristic you know he will be a father right but translating abram to what a father would be into in a natural house of course with the with the wife and with kids um He is more than just, uh, that father is more than just um, a provider, is more than just that specific uh, title. He as well would be a priest as well as a king and a ruler of his house. Right. And therefore, you know, the the goings on of the home would be part of his oversight. So I think the... The good example that uh, we were talking about was the fact that, you know, if you have a child and they want some food or they want some money to go out, you know, that's easily given. But, of course, if they have some some issues that they want to work out, like, you know, they're maybe getting bullied or, you know, they can't figure out how to do some type of schoolwork. All these these things, these uh, scenarios are still have to be addressed by the father. So that you know, I, I think that that's the understanding that um, a father, right, in his right place, where the where the Lord would happen to be, represents multiple things to to those who look to him, right. I think the the king part is the natural part, like you said, you know, money to go to the movies or hey, dad, let me get the car, you know, just regular stuff, right. You know, where you are provider protector. You know, hey dad, some guys just beat me up. Oh, your dad might go out there and act crazy. You don't know, you know. What's about that? Exactly. When it's come to my kids, I don't know. <laughs> Sometimes I, I tell my <laughs> wife all the time, I don't put anything past myself when it comes to my children, you know. So from that aspect, I think that is what comes with being a king, you know, that you protect and provide and you sort of guard and cover your family. But then the the priest part, right, comes to, to, to those deeper aspects. I just have questions about life, if I need direction, if I'm, un, if I'm feeling insecure, you know, which all of us have these things. Mm-hmm. Where do we go? Right. Where where do we go? You know, and this is, you know, I think I'm, I made the passing reference last time about Abram's natural father, Terah, and why the Lord wouldn't have him do these things as opposed to bring in Melchizedek. Well, it's clear 
Melchizedek embodied things and represented things that his natural father did not, that I think God wanted Abraham to get. And to see. And to see, right. Mm -hmm. Like lived out in front of him, exactly. And I think that is the key part. It is exemplified in another individual. Yeah. So that they can get the impartation. Yeah. You you gotta see some things you gotta see. You know, some things, you know, we we literally have to see and be like, oh wow, like I didn't think that was possible. Like there there's an example that I I use a lot, you know, and I I think it's related here about just the power of seeing it and the the impartation. It's like when the disciples are in the boat and they're in a storm and, you know, they think the boat's going to rock and get destroyed, da-da-da-da, and they look out on the water and they they see Jesus out there just scooting across the water. You're like, what the heck? Is that Jesus out there? Right? (laughs) But it doesn't stop there because Peter sees him and he jumps out the boat and takes a few steps before he falls. And people like to focus on the fall part, but he took a few steps on the water, which is amazing, right? I've never walked on water. Only for a few Bamas that have done right, that, right? You know, I don't know anybody who's <laughs> walked on water, you know, personally. <laughs> so what I think that him seeing that, you know, he, he was able to see it and emulate it, even if it was just for a short time, he was able to see it and emulate it. And I think that's what Melchizedek does here for Abram. He shows him the embodiment of king and priest in bodily form like you abram as you are you know essentially creating the nation of israel because remember everyone listening this is pre-israel Pre-Israel. Yeah. this is pre-israel we're three or four generations before israel and so he's showing abram as you create a nation you need to learn to walk as king and priest not one or the other but both embodied in the one um in the one man and, you know, I also think, so now let's jump back to um, Hebrews 7. Mm-hmm. So th- this is why I believe the the scriptures would then say that the the messianic priesthood, right? The the priesthood of, of the Messiah, using big words here, all right, is more similar to the priesthood of Melchizedek than it is to the Levitical priesthood or the Aaronic priesthood, which I think is kind of one in the side. I think the Levitical priesthood is just an extension of the Aaronic priesthood, but the messianic priesthood is it harkens back to the priesthood of Melchizedek. It harkens back to a priesthood of individuals who understood the requirement or the need for the king and the priest, right? The you know to to be embodied in the in the one man. That there sometimes there are natural needs. There are natural needs of protection, provision. Sometimes you you just need regular stuff. Um, but there are times where that is not enough. You know, and I think a lot of men in particular, they take an either or stance. You know, a lot of men will just say, hey, I provide for you. You got a roof over your head. That should be enough. And And then advocate the other role. Exactly. And they never engage. And focus all on the the one as opposed to having the collection of both king and priest. It's a requirement. No, definitely. And and I think it's unfortunate that we one is not better than the other. They just are two sides of the same coin. They are both needed. Um, you you need the king and, you know, the kingliness or whatever. And you also need the priestliness. You know, if I have a need, right, a, an internal, spiritual, soulish, mental, psychological, whatever need, I should be able to come to my father and say, hey, listen, I have this insecurity. I feel unsure of myself. I don't know what my next steps are. Can you help me? You know, and I think what ends up happening and what the the culture that we have built. And I say we because I'm part of the body of Christ. 
The culture that we have built is, well, you need to just figure it out. Go on to the Lord and figure it out yourself. That's not the culture of a family. And that's very ambiguous. Yeah. And there's no direction. That's directionless. That's directionless. Exactly. And But that's the culture that we've built. That's the culture we've developed as the body of Christ. Every And it's a very individualistic culture. And so that's why we understand, you know, like we shouldn't un- like misunderstand understand why people would just be like all right well it's about me and my blessing and my this and my destiny and my this because we've fostered that sort of environment if you have an issue if you have a thing i need to go to the lord ultimately but i should be able to find one who embodies king and priest to say hey can i just talk to you for a minute especially as we're growing up you know at to a certain point i think the the lord will provide us stability but as you're growing up as you're coming up you know, there are going to be times where I'm just like, I need to go to the one who embodies king and priest to me. Who is that person? You know, it can't always just be go on and figure it out with the Lord gone. No, I need to be able to sit down. Can I talk to you for a minute? <laughs> can we just, you know, can we talk? <laughs> I think it's really good that you do bring that up, Amadi, because it it is embodied in, in the culture of the world to continue to be an individual and to continue to work hard for yourself and by yourself and do everything for yourself. <clears throat> and I believe some of this actually translated into the church as we may know yep. it as being these individual compartments and anything that, of course, your family, that's what I'm focusing on, that is connected to your family. You only focus upon those things and you cannot allow any type of interdependence that would be established or created to be able to go to another individual and to glean from them or speak to them in, in these kind of intimate kind of issues. Um, so I think that's where the short or where some of the shortcoming uh, definitely comes into play. No, definitely. And, and this is where we sort of foster family, right? We then will foster community, and ultimately the the house of God, right? The house of God doesn't, the house of God is not, you know, formulated totally without these smaller pieces coming together. And so we, like the, the house of God cannot be established if everyone operates under this individualistic mentality. You know, I think that if we operate as a corporate, um, even on a small level, even as a family unit. But if, you know, if we operate as a family unit on a small level, you know, like I think the Bible says, you know, if you are good stewards over the small, I'll make you rules over much. So if yeah. we're operating as a family unit, you know, even in a small unit collectively, then that, that can sort of breed more community when we begin to get with others. And I think we don't do that. And so what ends up happening is we expect it to materialize when we get to the large stuff and then we get to the larger things and everyone still acts individualistic. You're like, hey, wait a minute. We're the body of Christ. What's going on? We're the house of God. But yet and still everyone is acting as an individual. Well, it's because no one really practices that sort of communal mentality on their own smaller scale. So you can't expect it to materialize. It always starts on a micro level. Yeah, exactly. And so, so we see here, because Abraham could have very easily, Abram could have very easily been in. <laughs> we the, know what you mean. Right, we, yeah, that, I, I hope you guys know what I mean at this point. Same guy. Um, Abram could have very easily been individualistic here and said, yeah, I'm going to take this money, take this whatever from the king of Sodom, and I'm going to keep it moving. No, I move collectively. I move. Let me, let me 
chop it up with my man Melchizedek here and see what the mind of the Most High is, right? Mm -hmm. I could have very easily just gone for my own benefit like an orphan, but I would I would prefer to to move as a son. And sometimes moving as a son is getting that other, right, the, the one who represents king and priest to me, getting their input. I can't always just say, I heard from the Lord, I'm going to do whatever. No, let me get another's input, particularly the one whom the Lord has sent to me as king and priest. And so I think so. Let's let's circle back now. So now that we kind of got that as a backdrop, I know we've spent the last you know few moments talking about that as a backdrop. How does this relate to what we've been discussing um, in terms of this new understanding and new, you know, new revelation? And, you know, my thoughts are this and, you know, definitely throw it out, throw it out to you, Gwen. And we may throw this question on my Facebook group. I don't know. Is we talked about, you know, last time for the individuals who don't exist in the optimal situation and that which is many of us, because I would say my situation coming up wasn't optimal. But now. I have a new understanding, a new revelation. How do I recognize or when would I recognize someone in my life who would be like a Melchizedek, right? You say, okay, my dad's not around or my father or, you know, whomever, grandfather, uncle, whatever. Because it, it could be anybody. It could be any of those things. You know, the, the, the Lord can use and send anyone. He sent this guy Melchizedek. What what are some of the telltale signs in, in your eyes that you would be able to say, oh, OK, this is the one whom the Lord has sent to me as as king and priest? What would be some of those signs for you? I think uh, one of the more evident signs is where you feel like you get to a situation or scenario that you have literally like no answer to. And you were like beating your head up against a wall. And then I think in conjunction with that you would kind of ask yourself this kind of question, inquiring, like, who would I actually go talk to about this specific problem that I'm having? And usually, in most cases, there will be some sub substance of a relationship with this other individual that you would actually go out and seek. Because I believe, just like uh, Abram had with Melchizedek, there was some baseline of relationship prior to this particular mm -hmm. uh, events that corresponded in, in Genesis. So I think that ultimately there is a relationship that is forming or formed already to the point of a degree of intimacy that you can see, as well as there is a stature or maturity in the other individual that is evident in the way that they live. That's good. That's a good example. It's almost like... Um, you know, when you meet your wife, I'm not really, I'm not a real big love at first sight kind of person. Like, oh, I just saw her that one day and I knew marriage is too much work for me to, you know, for me to play it by chance. I'm sorry. No offense if that's, if anybody believes that, you know, more, more power to you. That's just not what I believe. But think, you know, think about it. A female that you were a friend, already a friend with, right? That you might have known, that you might have been in some similar circles. But then just one day you look and you're like, wait a minute. You know what? I could see myself marrying her. But you already had a pre-existing relationship, yeah. right? But it's like almost like like the Lord gives you new eyes all of it. Uh -huh. And you see like, whoa, wait a minute. You start seeing a little differently. Yeah. You start, and it's not anything, you know, physical. Like she, no. she doesn't uh -huh. look any, oh, yo, she's so sexy or anything like that. You just look at her and you see her differently. 
And I think it works this same kind of way where there's already someone in our lives, right, who functions that way. But then one day we just look and say, man, or they may say something to us and you're like, man, or they may say something to us and we're like, yo, that was God right there. Oh, my goodness. Uh-huh. You know, and it's at that moment, I think that it clicks like. I should pursue a, a deeper level of relationship. And it can go both ways. Yeah. You know, because like we talked about Paul and Timothy last week, you know, and it was Paul who said, I should walk a little closer with this guy. So that that avenue, I think, can flow both ways because I believe it's in Amos 3.3. 3. It says, you know, two can't walk together lest it be in agreement. So I think there has to be some level of agreement. But, I, you know, I think sometimes getting past that pride, knowing where we have deficiencies, and just saying, you know what, there's something in your life that I feel like the Lord is using to make mine better. Just being, you know, just humbling ourselves, right? Just saying, you know what, there's something God is doing in you that is making me, it's a benefit to me. Can we walk a little closer? Can we just walk a little deeper? And you know, the other person, may, it may seem weird. Don't get me wrong. It's going to be like, what? What did you just say? But at the end of the day, I think that it will be to the benefit of both, both parties, parties. Yep. right? And that's a key characteristic. The The relationship will benefit both parties greatly. Yeah, I mean, we wouldn't know about Melchizedek if it wasn't right. for Abram. Exactly. <laughs> Abram doesn't, st- doesn't, you know, <laughs> doesn't follow God. We don't even know who Melchizedek is. So, no, I think it's a it's a benefit to, uh, to, to both parties. But, again, that, I think, is some of the things in which God can use when we don't exist in that optimal situation. But what, it, what what ends up happening is that person is redirected and then the optimal situation is then created for the next generation. And so I think I think when we come, you know, when we come back next time, we're going to start talking about that because that's not something that's discussed enough when it pertains to um, things in, in the house of God and, and how important seeing things generationally um, will will help, I think, to alleviate a lot of the pressure and a lot of the burden, right, that that we feel sometimes when we begin to think about things generationally. We'll say, well, wait, you know what? That might just not be for me, you know? So I think so next time we get together, you know, for those listening, we're going to start talking about why it's so important for us to view view things on a generational level. You know, not everything. There are some things that the Lord's going to put to our hands. But, you know, for some of these more macro level things, we have to get a perspective of heaven and I think that perspective is um, gener- more generational than than anything. So, um, yeah, so we, we do thank you guys for listening to us this time. And um, again, get into the Facebook group, um, put, you know, put some questions out there, put some answers, you know, put some statements. You know, it's for the people who have been chiming in. We, we do thank you and we appreciate it. And, but we definitely want to get the uh, dialogue um, continuing. Get rolling. Yeah. And for those also listening. I think that it would be wise to evaluate some of the things that we were uh, just mentioning, just with respect to someone who you may see as a father or that has a uh, a more mature stance with the Lord. And, you know, if you feel like you're in a, a particular uh, situation or uh, problem that you were encountering, you know, it may be worthwhile to discuss discuss it with them. And let it be, uh, I don't know, fruitful for you as well as for them. Yeah, and on the flip side, if someone's come to you like that, those are things you got to take to the Lord. Do you have the, because it's going to be time that you got to invest, you know, and don't feel like you got to preach to them. You know, it's just walking. It's it's just walking out life. So, 
Um, yeah. So, and hey, listen, these are questions that we could throw into the Facebook group. You know, if you got questions that, you know, hopefully that the, the community can uh, touch on and answer the, you know, just to throw out here really quick the, the for the about the uh, Facebook group. The, the group is closed. So for anybody who's been wanting to chime in and may have been apprehensive to say, hey, I don't want my comments and questions all over the Internet. The the group is a closed group. So only the people who are in and have been approved or invited are, are in the group. So it's not like, you know, it's just another level of security. I mean, everybody's not going to see it. Um, so we just want to, you know, hopefully bring down that apprehension. Jump on the group if you got any questions or comments about these topics. But um, we thank you guys for listening um, and we hope to uh, get get at it again. Um, for Ragu, this is Amadi saying bye bye. Catch you later. Wrapped up in Cuban institution. Now that's some real talk. Live right the execution. Now that's some real walk. Stay cool. Cause outside, my dude, it's real hot. Got bodies outlined out here in real chalk. I left an institution. Now that's some real talk. Live right the execution. Now that's some real walk. Stay cool. Cause outside, my dude, it's real hot. Got bodies outlined out here in real chalk. I left the institution, real talk Living right, the execution, real walk And stay cool, stay cool Cause it's hot outside And get your body outlined and chalk I left the institution, real talk Living right, the execution, real walk And stay cool, stay cool Cause it's hot outside And get your body outlined and chalk And stay cool, stay cool Cause it's hot outside and stay cool, stay cool Cause it's hot and stay cool, stay cool, cause it's hot outside And get your body out line and chalk